Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Off the Bench with Scotty Sadler and Benny Jones. For Bob Jane T-Mart, tire and wheel specialists. Yeah, welcome to Off the Bench. Uh, no Scotty Sattler. In fact, he's uh, a little under the weather. End of footy season. It gets to us all, doesn't it? Welcome for Bob Jane T. Mart's Tire Wheel Specialist. Yeah, what do we do with ourselves now? The footy's done. The AFL a couple of weeks ago. NRL last weekend. A controversial grand final. The Sydney Roosters go back to back. And clearly, uh, there have been a few talking points from it around the refereeing in particular, but uh, certainly as far as the Roosters go, take nothing away from them. An amazing achievement, first side to do so in over 25 years. The Raiders lost no fans, mind you. They were brave. They've been fantastic this season. But unfortunately for the Green Machine, they came up just one hurdle short. So we've got a big show ahead. We're going to hear from Fox Sports journo James Hooper. Uh, also, Cam Luke's going to give us all the details on what was a bumper opening weekend in the NBL. So, yes, we're a little upset that the footy's done and dusted, but some great sporting events that are commencing and getting underway. A-League this weekend as well. Won't be long until the Big Bash and the summer of cricket arrives, so plenty to keep us entertained. Uh, speaking of entertainment, for you motorsport fans, Matt McKeldin, the host of the driver's seat, will stop by to give us a Bathurst preview, of course, the big race, the race that stops the motorsport nation on Sunday around the mountain. Looking forward to that one as well. But we're going to kick off the show with, well, at least a little bit more NRL before we put a complete full stop to the 2019 season. Earlier in the week, myself and Sats caught up with Sydney Roosters forward Isaac Liu, two-time premiership player now. We'll hear that chat shortly, but let's take you back to Sunday. It was a game that had just about everything including a wonderful call from our NRL Nation team. Let's have a listen to the highlights as the Roosters go back-to-back, beating the Raiders in front of a massive crowd at ANZ Stadium. Referee Ben Cummins is the lead referee tonight. We are underway. Roosters running right to left on your radio dial, and they'll start with the footy, and it's JWH first up, charging into the defence. It's Bradley again, and he's stepping off the right, and then straightens up off the left, and he's brought down... Seven metres out from the line, last tackle. Ferrell's out of dummy half, opened up and he's over. Oh, they went to sleep at Marker and Sammy Ferrell has scored the first try of the 2019 Grand Final. This is another set of six here for the Raiders. They're on the attack. They're looking good. They go left. White, White, he's in. He's running. Everyone to a man got a Jack White to run the footy and he has. Gets the first try for the Raiders and ANZ Stadium erupts. 8-4. Roosters over Raiders thanks to Holden Trailblazer. You mind if I sound a bit excited? <laughs> New beauty, Jack White. So Kiri gets out of dummy half. He's looking for Latrell. Flick pass to Tupo. Tedesco's on the inside. They throw to Tedesco. He scores the try. They kept him quiet. For 74 minutes of the match, and the Camden Ram has exploded and scores the try. Oh dear! Shrouded in controversy. Unfortunately, we will read a 
about the men in yellow, not the winners of this grand final tonight. Roosters 12, Raiders 8. Go centre field, comes down to Hodgson, Hodgson, double pumps, out the back to Caesar. Roosters defence under pressure, here's Bateman, got the late try against the Storm, offloads, comes to Hodgson, can't get the kick away, Cross falls on it, and the Roosters fans celebrate. Full time at ANZ Stadium. The Roosters have gone back to back in 2019. They've beaten the Raiders 14 points to 8 in a pulsating final to conclude 2019. What a brilliant game of rugby league. And the boys from Bondi have won their 15th NRL Premiership. Yeah, brilliant call there from Jimmy Smith and the boys. A deflated Gary Belcher, but proud of his Canberra Raiders outfit going down 14-8 in that grand final. The Sydney Roosters under Trent Robinson, back-to-back premiers, their third title this decade, and who's to say they can't make it a three-peat in 2020. But before we get carried away with looking to next season, and as we still continue to enjoy the wash-up of 2019 itself, let's catch up with a man who's been there now twice, with the Sydney Roosters, one of their key forwards alongside Jared Weirah Hargraves, and that is Isaac Liu. He stopped by on Sports Day to catch up with myself and Satsuda in the week, and here was that chat. Now it's with Bateman. Bateman in and away. He's able to pass. It's gone to Hodgson. He tries to kick it. Trump falls on it. That will be it. They've defended their title. They are still the champions. And the first in a united competition since 92-93. Yeah, we've got him on the line. He's a, he's a two-time premiership winner now with the Roosters. He was actually involved in the 2013 team as well as 18th man. But we got him on the line, and he's the front row that forms such a great combination with Jared Rhea Hargraves on Sunday night in the victory uh, over the Canberra Raiders. And it's Isaac Liu. How are you, Isaac? Yeah, good, mate. Good. How you feel? I mean, the most obvious question is how you're feeling. I mean, you'd be sore because of such an absorbing contest, but how's the emotions now, uh, two days later? Uh, crazy. Still, still unbelievable. Um, yeah, still unreal, man. I just can't believe what was done. Uh, you know, worked really hard during the year, put ourselves in a good position to, you know, get to the grand final, and um, yeah, it's just all over the moon. What about yourself? I mean, you came off the bench last year in the in the victory over the Melbourne Storm. You started this year, yeah. as I said, with Rhea, Rhea Hargraves. Is it a different feeling individually for you, knowing that you started the game? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, like you said, last year I came off the bench. Um, but yeah, this this time to start, uh, it was even better. Um, especially to start with uh, Jared, that was that was huge. You know, you know what sort of player he is, and um, yeah, it was just. The atmosphere and just the start, it was awesome. What about yourself and Jared Maria early in the game? Could you feel as though that you were gaining control as a front row partnership? Did you feel as though you were, you were basically controlling the the um, the start of that game from the aggressive the aggressive stakes? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like we spoke about it during the week. You know, even before the game, you know, we wanted to start fast, start strong. Um, yeah. And it, and by the time we got there, you know, we seen their forwards, you know, started, you know, started to give a teague. Um, yeah, and we just we started to grow as the game went on. 
Now, what about um, your front row partner, Waria Hargroves? His numbers were amazing for them. I think it's nearly just under 200 metres and 41 yeah, yeah. tackles. Can you believe it? Oh, he, he, he's a beast. You know, you, you know what sort of game he brings. Oh, man, he, he never goes up. He puts out his heart out there. Um, man, that's the sort of sort of guy in front row you want to you know, play alongside. Now, with Jake Friend, Isaac, um, question marks all week over him, fitness test on Friday. Mm. When were you yeah. advised as a, as a playing group that he was actually going to take the field? Was it on the Saturday at the captain's session? Yeah, we, well, we sort of, yeah, we knew, we knew about it. Um, yeah, and so up, up until game day, um, yeah, we obviously talked about it, but then, you know, obviously he had to keep, keep yep. it on the low until, um, kickoff, but, um, yeah, man, it was, it was good to have him back out there. Um, yeah, obviously he did, you know, he played, played a few games there, but, you know, he, he still got the job done, and uh, yeah, it was great to have him back up. Now, were you out in the field when that uh, you know the whole conversation in the following week now has been about the the six tackle call? Were you out in the field when that yeah. happened, and, and did you hear it when it when it actually happened on the field? Well, yeah, yeah, the whole conversation, yeah, whole thing is going on about that. But you know, I, I don't have the right answer. But like my my own opinion is, you know, it shouldn't really come down to that. Like, you know, get all these other opportunities. Throughout yeah. the game, and yeah, it shouldn't it shouldn't really come down to that anyway. Great to have you as part of the show, mate. Um, Cooper Cronk, two years at the club. Uh, heard from a lot of yep. players in the build-up. A lot of his teammates, like your good self, talking about the uh, the impact he's had in his short time at the Roosters, and no bigger impact than yep. two premierships in two years. What um, what lessons, what learnings will you take from Cooper now that he's heading into retirement, moving forward? Oh, mate, just the I would say the calmness and his knowledge of the game, really, like mate. I don't know anybody, you know, as well. He's just, the way he knows the game inside out is mm. just unbelievable. Um, and there's, you know, way to stay calm and then also, you know, get us back on track, reset. You know, that sort of things I'll take in for myself, for my own game. But, um, yeah, he's just really influenced a lot of us at the club too. I know it's always been a, a professional club and everything you did. Uh, Isaac and and have continued to do over the years, but did he take preparation to another level, Cooper? Yeah, definitely. Um, yes, yeah. When he first came, and you know, you can see, you know, how well he presented himself, but also his recovery. You know, he just stayed on top of it. You know, he's played, you know, a long time, and the experience he has, yeah, it, it just goes to show that is, um, you know, he knows the standards and where it's at. Now. When it's all said and done and you get your second ring and mm-hmm. you've probably got both of them on right now because you're under the presentation <laughs> night very, very soon for the Roosters. But um, it looks as though Victor Radley knows how to party. Is that fair? <laughs> uh, yeah, mate. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. He, he's lost. I don't know where he is, but yeah, it's going off. <laughs> I saw photos yesterday that he was still in the playing gear. He still had his boots, socks, and his playing shorts on. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, still at the long post <laughs> in the playing gear. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, he's one of a kind, Nico. Now uh, it only seems only seems like yesterday, Isaac, that you and I were sitting discussing what you were going to do with your very early on in your career. You didn't know yeah. whether to, you know sign with the Roosters or, or go to another club, and they only offered you, yeah. you know, minimum wage at that stage. And now six years later, you've you've been involved in three premierships. Do you have to scratch yourself sometimes and realise how far yeah. you've come in such a short time? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Yeah, it's funny. I was speaking to my in-laws about it just the other night, um, or last night. Uh, yeah, oh, man, it's yeah, unbelievable where, you know, where you've come from and what's sort of happening if you just, you know, stay, um, stay buckled down and just, you know, whatever opportunities you get, you know, you just go go with it and go hard and, you know, you get rewarded in there. Isaac, uh, we all know how difficult it's proved to be to win back-to-back premierships, you guys becoming the first for a long, long time to achieve that feat. I know you're in party mode and celebration mode, and that will obviously continue tonight. Has, has there been any conversation shift towards, well, if we can do it twice, why don't we uh, Why don't we give three in a row a nudge? Yeah, definitely. Uh, all the boys said it uh, uh, yesterday at the long ball. Yeah, let's let's go again. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, we wish you all the very best for the night, the off-season as well, Isaac. Congratulations to you and your teammates and obviously to Trent and the coaching staff on an amazing campaign. Uh, just uh, the best side when it counted most in a cracking grand final, which you guys uh, thoroughly deserve to end up on the winning side of. Thanks for joining us on Sports Day, mate. Enjoy the presentation night and uh, we'll uh, hopefully catch up with you in the 2020 season. All right, Jeff. Thanks, folks. Isaac Liu there joining us on Off The Bench. And for Bob Jane Teammates, Tyron Will Specialist, we've got a stack more where that came from shortly. Up next, we'll continue along the NRL conversation with Fox Sports journo James Hooper. Interested in his thoughts, of course, on the six-again controversy. We'll also nominate a Makita Power player and hear from both Cameron Luke and Matty McKeldin talking basketball and Bathurst, respectively. This is Off The Bench. Stick around. Plenty of show still to come. You're listening to Off The Bench for Bob Jane T-Mart, tyre and wheel specialists. This is Off The Bench for Bob Jane T-Mart, tyre and wheel specialists. Yeah, welcome back to Off The Bench. Buy three, get one free, by the way, with uh, Bob Jane T-Mart's getting the job done day in, day out. When it comes to your tyre needs, there's no better place to shop. And with deals like that, why would you go anywhere else? Bob Jane? Off the bench, it's a good little relationship. We love having them on board. Hey, we love this guy too because he's very forthright in his opinion, one of the leading journos on Fox Sports when it comes to all things NRL. That's James Hooper, and Hoop stopped by for a chat in the wash-up of the NRL Grand Final and all the controversies that went with it. G'day, boys. Well, look, epic achievement from the Sydney Roosters. Obviously, no side's been able to do that for 26 seasons. And speaking of the game itself, or the intensity um, it, it was a little bit like rumble in the jungle between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman, the way that they just went at each other um, relentlessly and it ebbed and it flowed. And, you know, the Raiders worked really hard after trailing early to look as though um, they'd fought their way in a position to to potentially win the game. And then, of course, we had you know, the epic stuff-up of all stuff-ups, um, which, no question, um, had a huge bearing uh, on the end result. But... Uh, in terms of the actual grand final itself, it's just a shame that such a cracking contest is going to be remembered um, for that refereeing uh, stuff up and for that big talking point. And then, of course, there was also the other um, interesting development at the beginning of the game where they got the decision right. But for the Roosters mm. to be awarded um, a scrum and the attacking team given the benefit of the doubt in that position after Sir Solala had worked so hard to charge Kiri's kick down, and of course it hits the Roosters trainer Travis Tuma uh, in the lemon spread as well. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, boys, you can't make it up, can you? Like, no, you can't. You can't. Script this stuff 
only now, in rugby league. Now, when we talk about the the decision by the six to go by Ben Cummins, now the rule states that the on-field call can't be correct if the ball is live. Have we heard anything yet from NRL why Jared Sutton and and I assume it's Jared Sutton's voice where he corrects Ben Cummins hoops? No, we haven't heard anything yet, Sats. Look, we heard from Graham Annesley um, in the immediate aftermath, uh, and he clearly put his hand up, admitted that it was a massive stuff up, um, accepted responsibility that this was now going to um, go down in rugby league history as one of the, the greatest match official debacles of all time. Uh, but what, what can they do, Sats? Like, they can't go back, they can't change it, they can't reverse the decision. It's done now. But in my eyes, there's no question... Um, that given the flow of the game and the fact that the Raiders had fought so hard to put themselves in a position where they were a good chance of winning the game, just that momentary lapse and that split-second indecision about what had actually transpired, well, that was all the Sydney Roosters needed, wasn't it? Because mm. they just went crack-bang, clicked into gear, Keary worked the short side, Luttrell and Daniel Tupo did the rest, and James Tedesco scored the four-pointer. Yeah, so, it, was, it was a great um, finish, and the great teams, they find a way to win, don't they? Now, with this Roosters side going back-to-back hoops, where do you think they sit amongst some of the, the modern-day great sides like your, your Melbourne Storms and your Brisbane Broncos? Yeah, I think you've probably got to put them um, on par with the Broncos side of the last time that this was done, 92-93, or even in a competition when it wasn't United, 97 Super League in 98, you go back to that Brisbane Broncos side and you had players of the ilk of Gordon Tallis and Shane Webke and Darren Lockyer and um, it was an all-star lineup. Wendell Saylor. Uh, and you look at this Sydney Roosters team, um, I'll tell you what, the, the signature of Cooper Cronk, how important did it prove, <laughs> boys? Like They made a cutthroat call. They got rid of one of their favourite sons. He was a co-captain, Mitchell Pearce. Uh, and they made the big move to go out and get Cooper there. And everybody said, well, hang on, is this going to work? And gee, it's a, it's a massive call. And if he doesn't win premierships, well, it's an out-and-out fail. It, it, not only did he win one in his first season with only one shoulder in the biggest game of the year, but then he, he backs it up and they go out and win another one. So, um, no, this side will certainly be remembered as one of the all-time champion teams. So that's when you look at that back line, Where's the weakness? Where's the weak link? Like, Latrell Mitchell wasn't in great form for most of the season, but he still managed to collect Dallium Centre of the Year. That's a, a measure of how good this Roosters team is going at the moment. James Hooper from Fox Sports joining us here on Sports Day. Jimmy, there has to be a loser, sadly, in such a gladiatorial contest like that on Sunday. And the Canberra Raiders lost themselves absolutely no fans throughout the season, the way Ricky Stewart handled himself post-game. Uh, they were a bit of a Cinderella story themselves in the way they went about it. Beating Melbourne in Melbourne twice, which is no mean feat. Um, they're around for the long haul, I reckon, the Raiders. Yeah, oh, look, no question whatsoever. The Canberra Raiders are the best story of this season. What they've been able to achieve on the field, the fact that nobody uh, or very few experts would have had them in their top eight, uh, let alone their top four at the beginning of the season. And then to galvanise... Uh, as a side and, and come together as a side the way that they did. Um, they had a couple of really smart buys in the off-season. John Bateman, the English international, we all know what a huge mm. influence he had on that side. But it was the left-field last-minute pickup of Chan's Nickel Klockstad out of New Zealand yeah. um, that proved a masterstroke as well because it meant that Ricky Stewart could shift Jack White into six. And um, no question, look, there are hopefully there are bigger and better things ahead for the Canberra Raiders. I wouldn't be surprised, boys, if BJ Lua isn't there next season. Uh, I know that um, the Raiders were 
letting him have a look around at some other options um, over the last couple of months. So I'll be surprised if he's at a rival NRL club. Um, and then Jordan Rappiner, we know, is going to go and have a little stint in, in Japanese rugby. So it'll be a slightly different-looking Raiders side. George Williams, the test half for England, will obviously come in and be their number one, number seven. Um, but no doubt, look, it's still a damn good roster, and let's hope that um, the bitter disappointment of last Sunday's grand final result drives them on uh, to try and take that extra step next season. Yeah, they took the world by storm, didn't they? Now, just I want to throw something up to you, Hoops. We we brought this up last night on our show, and it seems to have gathered a little bit of momentum today. And we spoke about in that very moment in the grand final when that final tackle was called by Ben Cummins and Jack White was tackled. If there was a captain's challenge that was implemented into the game at that stage and the Canberra Raiders would have said, hang on a sec, captain's challenge, we want to have a look at that. Do you think that would have alleviated some of the debate we're having this week? Uh, very good question, Seth. No, I don't think it would have. And the reason I say that is because you know we've analysed the replays over and over again and it does appear as though the six again was the wrong call and for it to remain the last tackle was the right call because it didn't touch James Tedesco. The view is that the ball was live and, and came off Bailey Simonson. So with that being the case, a captain's challenge wouldn't have changed the decision, would it? It, it, it still would have been um, last tackle. Jack White has tackled on the last. And so as a result, it's a handover and and the Roosters get the ball. So I'm a fan of the captain's challenge. I think that it can add something to the game. The purists and the traditionalists argue there's enough stoppages as it is with the bunker, but I still tend to think we are seeing enough of these little anomalies here and there and these big talking points um, out of games and out of big decisions like this that there is a place for it. Um, But in this specific instance, I don't think it would have changed um, the fallout as a result, because everyone still would have been blowing up that Cummins signalled six again, and and clearly everybody at the ground and watching on television saw that, uh, and then he made the last-minute decision to try and then reverse that. Yeah. Uh, it was just a bad look, whichever way you try and go over it. James Hooper joining us there on Off the Bench. Quick break for Bob Jane T-Mart's up next. We'll nominate a Makita Power player and also catch up with Cam Luke to talk all things Aussie basketball It was a big weekend, a bumper weekend with some absolute nail-biters. That's next. Stick around. Off the Bench. More to come. You're listening to Off the Bench for Bob Jane T-Mart, tyre and wheel specialists. It's time to nominate the Makita Power Player, Makita's cordless power garden range, the landscaper's choice. Yeah, this one was pretty easy, pretty straightforward. Mind you, there were some amazing candidates at the Don Awards that were hosted, of course, the Australian Sporting Hall of Fame Awards earlier on in the week. Uh, This all thanks to Makita's cordless power garden range, by the way, the world's largest range, over 200 tools on the one battery. And it has to be Ash Barty, doesn't it, Uh, who took out the big gong, world number one, first grand slam of her career in the French Open earlier in 2019. And have a listen to the names that she was nominated alongside and who she has beaten to this award. By no means any of these athletes disgraced in not winning it, by the way. Uh, Dylan Orcott, tennis wheelchair star, one of the most likable athletes in the country. Uh, Cooper Cronk, just winning his second premiership with the Sydney Roosters and his uh, I think it was his fourth overall including of course a couple the Melbourne Storm that were uh, stripped from the club three-time Tour de France stage winner Caleb Ewan surfing champion Stephanie Gilmore Bathurst winner 
Timely weekend there too with Bathurst on Sunday. Craig Lowndes, cricketers Elise Perry and Tim Payne. What amazing achievements they've had over the past 12 months. And world swimming champion Ariana Titmus as well. So there you go, an amazing field. Uh, Ash, after winning her award, obviously wanted to heap a lot of praise on her fellow nominees. Here's what she had to say. I'm standing amongst champions. Um, Greats of Australian sport that have not only inspired generations um, of athletes, have inspired generations of people, and every single person in this room has, has had, ma- had a role in impacting a nation from a, from a sporting point of view, and I'm extremely humbled to be standing here right now. What an amazing human being she is, and a great tennis player. The sky's the limit. Plenty more to come for Ash Barty, and she is our Makita Power player this week on Off the Bench. For Makita's cordless power garden tools, power through the toughest of jobs, Makita, when power means business. What about the powerful way that the NBL has picked itself up off the floor and turned itself into a juggernaut across the summer months here in Australia the last couple of years under the guidance of Larry Kesselman? The competition has gone from strength to strength and has expanded recently. There are plans for further expansion, and it's just a sky-the-limit type of stuff for the NBL right now, even to the point where young guns in the NBA and uh, that usually would have just played in their university or college-type setups are coming out here instead to further their basketball education. It's brilliant stuff, so we thought we'd catch up with a former host of this show, good friend of our program too, and Cam Luke, who covers all things NBL to get a wash-up from the opening weekend. He wants it himself. Blows past Tarangi. Drives! Sobey with 15 points, almost gave it away. Glidden, denied by Top Lansfield. <laughs> well, so many great highlights out of the opening weekend of the NBL season. Uh, that was one of the great contests there between the Hawks and the Bullets. The Brisbane boys getting it done and a man who was covering it all and has a finger on the pulse when it comes to Australian basketball. A familiar voice to this program, of course, Sats, from many moons ago. He used to host and produce uh, this very program, Sports Day. Cam Luke, how are you, mate? I'm well, mate. Obviously, Gary Bell just sacked me, so now he's not on the show for a little bit. I'm able to come back and make my experience. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mate, great to be back. on uh, a great show. And as you touched on, many, a wonderful weekend for the NBL. And four games, all less than 10 points. Record number of uh, attendees through uh, the first weekend in all time. And the most watched NBL game in history. Mm. And we heard a little bit there, LaMelo Ball playing for the Hawks. And the NBL did a deal with Facebook that uh, beams the, the, the games live into the USA with so much um, hype and excitement around LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton, but LaMelo Ball in this situation. So, yeah, huge weekend, and uh, I think that everyone would be fairly happy how it all went, obviously, on probably on the court, but Melbourne United, probably the ones that mm. are probably a little bit disappointed, are zipping through and have a, a lot of injuries. So their weekend wasn't as great, but everyone else I'd say would be fairly happy. Now, Cam, I, I love, I love the, the Australian uh, basketball competition and, and the NBL is absolutely sensational. It has been for a number of years but for some reason this year as you said the numbers spiked um, the, the most watched game in history. Why? Why this season as opposed to other years? I, I think there's a combination of things. Anytime that there's uh, Australians doing well in the NBA that filters down. Anytime the NBA is going nuts then uh, of course it helps uh, the domestic league as well but I think LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton it, it, remarkably these are two 18 year old kids who are both considered to be very top NBA draft picks in 12 months' time. And for them to choose to play in Australia compared to um, go to college, although LaMelo Ball wasn't eligible, RJ Hampton most certainly was, um, that just continues to get the excitement around the league. The World Cup, where the Boomers play particularly well, finishing 
probably should have been with the medal with the mm. finished top four. So um, the Boga thing starts it, but it just continues to get bigger and bigger each and every uh, year, I think. And, and this year is no different because of the amount of eyeballs from the NBA directly on our league. And, and why is that happening, Kim? Educate the listeners on why, instead of going to college for a lot of these young men, that they're deciding to come out and play in Australia. Uh, good question, Sats, and I think that with the Next Stars program that the NBL have introduced in the last couple of years, it gives an opportunity for kids. The NBA changed their rules where you had to play a year of collegiate ball or you had to at least be a year removed from high school. It hasn't happened a great deal. Now, the Lamello Ball situation, and for people who would know the, the Ball family and all that's it's about, he was ruled ineligible because he'd actually gone... Uh, LeVar had taken his sons over to Lithuania and played for basketball over there. So he was actually eligible to play collegiately. So he had an opportunity, I guess, to maybe look at playing elsewhere. Now, it's a bit of a murky situation, but professionally to earn money. And for RJ Hampton, he, he has spoken a lot about the fact that when he made the announcement that his dream was to play in the NBA, not to play in college. And to come here, make some money outside of the salary cap, the way that it works as well as that, a way of being able to uh, welcome these kids or attract these kids to play. It's outside the NBL salary cap. So you get a kid who is talented but nervous uh, if you are, say, the breakers or the horse and how they're actually going to go. But their ability to come here, play professionally, bigger bodies, which they think readies themselves for the NBA, is why they chose to come here rather than go to the NCAA. Now, Cam, I've just noticed too, you mentioned uh, Melbourne United, not from two, not the ideal start for them. Uh, they're off stateside. We've actually got a couple of teams uh, over there at the moment. I think the 36ers are on their way back. The Breakers are doing their thing. And that's got to be another great fillip for the NBL itself, the fact that uh, the NBA looks upon us for their preseason preparations and figures our sides are a, a good way to tune up. Yeah, this NBA-NBL experience has been in the three years. Now, Melbourne United actually two years ago should have won. There was a horrible non-goaltending call that against uh, Oklahoma, mm. where in the end they probably should have got the win and should have been called. But, um, it, look, it's interesting. You know, Adelaide got really, 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 I won't say embarrassed, but smacked around by a Memphis team that no one expects to be, uh, by a, um, a Utah team that is meant to be good but didn't really play a great deal of their main guys on the weekend. So for New Zealand to go over there, it was yesterday Australian time, uh, go down by 14 points, play well against the Memphis team who played majority of their guys. That's the big thing that has to continue to be competitive because it, it, it can hurt the eyes or hurt the perception in the eyes of many people if the NBL team go over there and don't play as well as we've seen in the past. We've seen four teams lose by less than 10 points in the last couple of years. Melbourne United have got a tough one. They've got the Clippers and Sacramento in the next week. And you see New Zealand tomorrow, in fact, are playing against uh, Oklahoma, mm. who aren't expected to be overly tough. So... If they hang tough and play well, it's great for the league for so many different reasons. Gets more eyeballs on it, but you, it all comes in anything in sport, as you boys know. You have to be able to play well for it to continue to be a good thing, and the NBL teams need to make sure they go over there and, and do a pretty good job. In particular, since they're in season already, um, if you're gonna if you're gonna disrupt the start of the year, you got to yep. make sure that it's helping you and the league going forward. NBL expert Cam Luke joining us here on Sports Day. Cam, obviously only the one week in the book so far and some great games all under double-figure margins, which is, I guess, great for the growth of the competition, the excitement levels around it. From what you saw early days uh, and from what you may have brought into the preseason and now season proper, who who's your fancy? Who are the teams that will be battling it out? The Kings look mighty impressive. We know that the... Uh, we know the Wildcats are always there in the mix, the Breakers too, and Melbourne United. But where have you got them ranked at this stage? 
I've got Sydney at one, and I don't necessarily put it, and you mentioned they were impressive last week, but they went to Cairns, which is going to be a hard place to play anytime you've got to travel that far, although Sydney's a little closer than Melbourne, but it's a, it's a tough little road trip up there. They grounded out. The guy that I think is actually different is Didi Lazada, who's a Brazilian guy into the next star, controversial next star, actually, because he's already been drafted in the NBA, but the NBA were able to slip that through to be able to get him in in the off-season. He didn't play due to back spasms. He is very, very good. He's a New Orleans Pelican in the NBA, yeah. so he'll go there next year. I, I think Sydney and Melbourne, although Melbourne are zipping too, I think they'll play off in a grand final. Uh, I just think the talent on those two teams are, uh, are next level. But I really, look, Perth, you mentioned, you want to win a championship, you've got to go through Perth. They continually do it year in, year out. Mm. I think they've made the playoffs for the last 64 years. So <laughs> to be able to, to win a championship, you've got to go through Perth. And I actually really like Brisbane. Brisbane's yeah. a really good team. Uh, Nathan Sobey, they were able to pick him up in the offseason. Um, Lamar Patterson uh, is a guy who was All-NBL first team last year. He came about five or six games in. He's here for the entire year this year. So I expect those two four teams, those four teams to be the semi-finalists, although Melbourne are looking at a maybe a zip and three start because they play Perth only like 12 hours after they get back from the States next weekend. But mm. I expect Melbourne and Sydney to play off in the grand final. Cam Luke there, great to catch up with him to talk all things basketball and we'll be doing that plenty throughout the summer. You can bet your bottom dollar. It's time for a quick break here on Off The Bench when we return from basketball to motorsport. From basketball to Bathurst would be a better way of probably introducing that. We've got Matt McKeldin coming up shortly and it's all thanks to Bob Jane T-Marts. This is Off The Bench for Bob Jane T-Mart, tyre and wheel specialists. This is Off The Bench for Bob Jane T-Mart, tyre and wheel specialists. Yeah, welcome back to Off The Bench. Bob Jane, well, there's a name that is synonymous with motor vehicles and another name that is synonymous with that particular chosen sport, motor racing, is Bathurst, of course. And this weekend, uh, the great race around the mountain takes place on Sunday. There's a lot of qualifying, a lot of practice going on at the moment. And, uh, well, on Thursday, we caught up with Matty McKeldin, who's the host of the driver's seat, which you'll hear on this radio station each and every weekend, but uh, also one of the most passionate motorsport enthusiasts that I have the pleasure of knowing. We caught up with him to talk about all things Bathurst, who the likely contenders were, and what makes this race just so special. And that was really the course of the race for this man, who did a superb job again at this place. He is at one with Bathurst. The very, very best operator. Seven wins and five wins, respectively. Pair of stars. Uh, well, last year's race around the mountain had everything late drama and, of course, a fairy tale finish for one Craig Lowndes in his uh, his final Bathurst as a full-time driver, of course. He'll be back there again this weekend doing his thing as a part-time driver. Can he make it eight? We're going to ask this man. The host of the driver's seat each and every weekend. You'll catch it on this particular radio station is Matty McKeldin and he's been good enough to join us on Sports Day. Matty, it's a huge weekend for motorsport fans. You are one of those. You must be pretty excited. And I've got to tell you, I know Christmas is big on the calendar, but for me, <laughs> this is Christmas. This is a big one. This is a big weekend. I know that we're obviously very involved in AFL and NRL, those sorts of games and ball sports. 
but all that means to me when the grand final rolls around is that the Bathurst 1000 is mm. just around the corner. Yeah, it's good that those grand finals are done and dusted. It gives the race plenty of clear air and a lot of people that will be planning their entire weekend if they're not actually going up to Mount Panorama and into uh, obviously the race course proper itself. Uh, I know that barbecues, uh, plenty of gatherings of friends and, and family alike. It's a, it's a real great part of the Australian sporting calendar, this race. Yeah, absolutely. It's a festival. I mean, uh, you know, we're still a couple of days away from the big race, but the campsites have been full for about four or five days. And it's it's a family tradition thing. If your father went or your mother went, fair chance you're going to go. Mm. And there's a fair chance you're going to take your kids as you get a little bit older as well. So it is a big one on the calendar for any motorsport fan. It is a great festival feel when you get up there. It's a ripping vibe. Um, everyone has a lot of fun these days. It's a whole lot nicer of an event than probably what it was 20 years ago. You mm. wouldn't have taken, <laughs> you wouldn't have taken your wife or your kids to any of those uh, those events 20, 30 years ago. But now, much more family friendly. The coverage is fantastic. The access is sensational. And so, uh, as I say, people start packing the joint out four to five days before the race. It's the obvious question, and one I'm sure you get asked a lot. We know for the drivers and for the teams involved, winning this is is top of the tree and the request and the wish list every year. But what does make Bathurst, from a competitor's point of view, so very special, Matty? Bloody hard race to win, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's a bloody hard place to race. I mean, it, yep. it is literally probably one of the top three racetracks in the world when you think Spa, Laguna Seca, um, those sorts of racetracks, uh, Le Mans maybe. It is literally in that top, you know, three to five of tracks in the world. Mm. You can have a full-time supercar career like my co-driver, Stevie Johnson for like 20 or 17 or 18 years. I think he had a full-time drive. Yeah. Uh, never won Bathurst. Uh, if you don't win a championship in your full-time career, but you win a Bathurst, you'll actually sleep well at night. Yeah. If you don't win a championship and you don't win a Bathurst, there's kind of that full stop that's left off the end of a career. So it is something that is steeped in history. Um, when you think of drivers that have gone before, like Peter Brock and Dick Johnson and yep. big Kev, big Kev Bartlett, big Red Kev, all those sorts of guys, Glenn Seaton. These guys, Glenn Seaton, for example, never won a mm. Bathurst. It still haunts him to this day. So it is a tricky place to race. And these days, the pace, and we saw it in practice this morning, the pace mm. from moment one is absolutely extraordinary. It used to be called an endurance race. It's now a 161-lap sprint race. Matty McKeldon here joining us to preview Bathurst this weekend. The driver's seat, of course, you can catch that each and every weekend as well. You talk about the pressure on drivers who um, who maybe get it done through the regular season but have struggled around Bathurst or just haven't had the luck go their way. It brings me to Scotty McLaughlin. He has just been a dominant force in the championship this season, but he is another one of those drivers you mentioned before, Matty, that, is, uh, that has never won at this particular uh, race. So uh, how do you see him faring? Who are your other main fancies? Who should be watching for on Sunday? Yeah, you're right with Scotty McLaughlin. He's the defending champion of the series last year, of course. And right now, there is daylight between him and P2 in the championship. Yeah. 590 points from memory. There's 300 points available for this race this coming weekend. Literally, if he fires it hard into the fence, turn one, lap one of the race, he's still got almost a full... Uh, racing around clear in the championship. Mm. So in many ways, there's zero pressure on him to perform here other than what he wants to achieve for himself. And and he was absolutely honest in recent media engagements saying, I want this, I need this, I've got my championship, now I want to have a Bathurst 1000. And look, he put it on pole uh, recently up there and he was, he was extraordinary. 
Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, the, the way the race goes, it made uh, times difficult for him, and he didn't get the he got the podium, but he didn't get the win. So look, he's in white hot form. The team's in white hot form. The car, the Mustang, has been dominant this year. So of course he's in with a chance for a victory. In regards to other people, I think you got to watch Red Bull Holden Racing Team because. They have, in the off-season, secured the services of Garth Tander, yeah. who will drive with uh, SVG, who's never won one, and then, of course, Craig Lowndes and Jamie Winkup. You have never seen a driver line up that strong. Hmm. So if the car is competitive and if luck goes their way, I'd be very surprised if you didn't see one of the Red Bull Holden Racing Car teams uh, on the podium. And for mine, I really like Garth Tander and SVG. I think those guys are the, the right height. Um, they're coming into good form. SVG did very well at Pukekohe in the last round. Uh, the car seems to have had an aero adjustment to make it more competitive. Um, and SVG is due a win. He is absolutely due a win. Uh, Tanda knows how to win up there. Um, I think they're a real chance. So Matt McKeldin there, if you're heading off to Bathurst or you're just going to be watching from the comfort of your couch, enjoy. It's a great weekend in Aussie sport and one of the great days on the Aussie sports calendar. This has been Off the Bench for Bob Jane T. Martz. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you same time next week.